I'm Dino Busalaki, the Chief Technology Officer and OT Guy at Delta Technology. Hi, I'm Jim, the COO and IT Guy. And I'm Craig Duckworth, President and CEO. You're listening to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Show. In each episode, we bring you the inside scoop on the world of industrial cybersecurity. We talk about everything you don't know. That you should know. So plug in and power up. The show's about to get started. Good morning and welcome to another edition of our podcast. My name is Craig Duckworth and I am the president and CEO of Velta Technology. And today with me, I have Debbie Gordon, who is the CEO of Cloud Range Cyber. Debbie, welcome to the show. Hi, Craig. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. How about you give the, the, the audience a little bit of background on yourself, what you do and how we got to this point? Yeah, thanks. So uh, I'm founder and CEO of CloudRange. CloudRange is a virtual cyber range platform. And what that means is that it's a virtualized uh, network environment that can mimic really any company's uh, environment and tool set, along with simulated cyber attacks so that cyber defense teams are able to safely practice detection and response of cyber attacks, both on the IT and the OT side. And this all is important because people are only as good as their experience. And with all of the different types of attacks that we see in the news every day, the things that those have in common are the fact that every company has tens of millions of dollars worth of technology to try to mitigate attacks or prevent them. Um, But also that most attacks that you hear about on the news were not picked up by the people in the security operations center who are paid to to detect and (laughs) respond to them. And it's not their fault. They just didn't know what they were looking for because they had never seen it before. And yeah, so no, we exist it, to ensure that the first time uh, people see things is not when it happens in real life. That's a great, it's a great place to be because you you don't want to learn how to do something in the middle of a crisis. I remember back when we were in school, when we were all young, we were doing tornado drills and we were doing fire drills once a month, the bell would ring three times and we would climb under the desk and we'd put our books over our head and we would follow it. Or if it was a fire drill, we would go outside and meet by the flagpole and the teacher would take roll. Every month they drilled that into our brain so that we knew what to do in the event something happened. This is very similar to that muscle memory retention that is so critical because as organizations have these teams built, if they have a SOC or they have someone that's designated the the cyber expert within the organization, they have other jobs as well. Most of them are doing multiple things and they're not doing just one piece of this. So it's important that they don't meet the entire team for the organization on the day that they learned their network went down and they can't find the phone number of the person they're supposed to call or whatever those playbooks need to be. Yeah. And unlike a fire drill or a tornado drill, those are the same every time, right? You hear the yeah, bell. Absolutely. You Correct. The classroom, you get your books, you crouch down or depending on what kind of drill. The difference with cyber is that everything changes. There are an infinite number Correct. of tactics, techniques, and procedures that threat actors can use, are using, have used, mm-hmm. and people need to be exposed to as many different attack scenarios as possible so that they do generate that muscle memory as you use that term, but for so many different things. It's not just one. We talk about ransomware all the time, which is the, mm-hmm. you know, the common one people think about, it, but there are an infinite number of other types of attacks that people have never seen before, and they happen all the time. 
And like our space, we're focused on the industrial aspects. Every manufacturer that we go into is different. They say manufacturing is all the same. Maybe at the very highest level, it is the same. But there are no two plants that are manufacturing the same, that are built the same, that have the same number of PLCs and the same architecture. It's not the same. So I totally get where you're saying, and all everything is different. It's not the same thing as a fire drill or a tornado drill. You know, on the news, MGM. Very, very prominent one that lost hundred millions of dollars. The same thing as we look on the industrial side, and you've got JBS, the Packer, and then you have Colonial Pipeline, and they're all everything is different. Yeah, and one of the most important things that we see on the industrial side is that so many people aren't even aware how they can be attacked. It's more common on the data side of data exfiltration or data breach, but for people on the manufacturing side. They don't know how the attacks can happen. They might come from the IT side into the OT side or vice versa. They may not realize that, you know, a temperature gauge going up doesn't mean you just should turn it down. They don't think that, oh, wait, maybe this is a cyber attack. And so it's creating all that awareness of how things happen. And then also whose responsibility is it? Because especially on the um, on the OT side, a lot of people think it's the IT guy's job. On the IT right. side, they're like, it's not our job. And so there's the first first and foremost organizations need to align on whose job cybersecurity is. Yeah, for sure. So let's take it back a little bit. So what led you to to form or to, to start CloudRange? What was it just a an idea? Is it something that you've done in your past? What brought this about? Yeah, so I had mentioned earlier that I I started my career about 30 years ago in the technical education space, and things just come You must have started at 12. Yeah, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) Anyway, thank you. And I built and sold a few companies in the meantime, uh, most recently a data security company. And I was very familiar with the the talent shortage in the technology world, which includes cybersecurity. And then, gosh, it was back in early 2018, Glenn Ewing, who was our our chief revenue officer, Mm -hmm. he and I were chatting. He was with Fortinet at the time, and we were chatting about this whole talent shortage thing and how it's affecting companies, but how that also affects vendors. So technology vendors were finding that their customers were having trouble finding people. And so we're you know, thinking, how can we help solve this problem? Whereas most people think about the talent shortage from just net new talent, how to people. create new talent. Right. Um, we were thinking about how do we help companies accelerate time to value of SOC analysts and incident responders. And long story short, CloudRange was founded in mid-2018. The timing was really good, Pete. In fact, I remember at a very large industry conference that year, the human element was the theme, and that mm. was one of that was probably the first time that it became cool to think about people as an important aspect of your technology stack, <laughs> because a lot of security leaders think technology solves all problems or compliance solves all problems, but at the end of the day, it's really that three-legged stool of people, process, and technology, and the people right. at the end of the day are the last line of defense. And so we yeah. have to make sure that they are prepared and that companies are making the investment in the people that they hire so that they can keep them too, because retaining talent is hard, if not harder than finding them to begin with. 
It is. And it's very expensive to to retain talent and even more expensive to replace and retrain and bring in the new talent if you do lose somebody. So right. I can I can see that aspect of it. And let's look at a little bit about the labor. In the industry, we're hearing the millions of open vacancies. The numbers are astronomical. I don't think if the universities and the schools dedicated full-time staff to just this space, they could produce enough people in the next five years to even fill the numbers. So how is this affecting what you guys are doing as well as what you're seeing in the industry from a labor shortage. How's this helping that? Because it it has to be, you've got to be helping it because you're really focused on that piece of it. Yeah, there's two ways that the talent shortage in cybersecurity rears its ugly head. Mm-hmm. Number one is open seat. That's a vulnerability. Every open seat represents a vulnerability in an organization. True. Now, the people who are already employed in cyber also need continuous training. So it's not just about the open seats, three and a half million, whatever the the number is today. It's not just about that, but we have to pay equal attention to the people who are already employed in cyber because just having a certification doesn't mean you are good at doing a job. Um, Back in, you know, I started my career in the mid 90s. Uh, in the technical education space when people were getting networking certifications. And back then, if you have, you know, a CNE or an MCSE, you get a certification, you can get a job and you can do a job and you can continue to do that job. That is totally different in cyber. So having a certification is almost just table stakes to be able to qualify to apply for a job and be considered for it. But at the end of the day, people need experience. The conundrum is that people coming out of school or workforce development programs, they might have a certification or a degree, but they have no experience. And without experience, you can't get a job. And without a job, you can't get experience. And so mm-hmm. uh, we're fortunate to be able to work with a lot of universities where we're imp- implementing our cyber range into education programs oh, so nice. that when people are in school, in a cybersecurity program, they're actually getting the hands-on experiential learning using simulation so that they're ready and employable and they have quote unquote experience. Otherwise they would come out of school and still not be able to get a job. And there are so many of those people. Yeah, and every open position is must have five years experience, must have this, must have that. Well, it's hard to have five years of experience in OT cyber when the entire industry has been around for five years. Those that have been in it that have that experience, you can't afford them. They don't want to leave where they are. And if they did, the salaries are astronomical. Right. That is fantastic news that you're working with the universities to help train the people that come into it because it, it really is that experience and understanding that helps us all grow. Yeah, but really our our core business is around working with uh, existing, you know, organizations with industrial control systems and with their cybersecurity practitioners to ensure that they have ongoing training. And what a lot of security leaders are now finally starting to realize is that they can't depend on finding experienced people out there that they have to create their own. And so a lot of companies around the world are using CloudRange's platform for not just developing existing security practitioners on the IT and the OT side, but knowing that when they hire somebody and they're relatively green, that there is a way for them to accelerate their time to value uh, and their 
capabilities by using the CloudRange platform. You mentioned something earlier about how you could go in and customize and leverage that those skills. Obviously, our, our partners with many different technology companies, Clarity, Cisco, Dragos, we would call them tier one technology providers in this space. It's important that you guys have the ability to load various tools and technologies into your platform to give them a as close to a real live scenario as possible. How does, how does that help? So think about a pilot training in a flight simulator. You want that okay. airplane to look and feel like the plane that they're going to be flying. It shouldn't be a carnival game, a video game, or generic, because when it really comes down to it, they need to have that muscle memory. They need to know exactly what to do and how to do it. And so we've partnered with most, if not all, of the leading cybersecurity technology companies, both on the IT and the OT side, so that we have their products within our range platform. So everything has been virtualized. So when a customer logs in, when their cyber defense individuals or teams log into our platform, they're actually logging in to a full enterprise network, OT and mm -hmm. IT segments. They're logging into the same tools that they use every day. You mentioned some of them a few minutes ago, but they're not theirs. So they're another version of it in a safe yeah. environment where there's live malware, live attacks running, and they're able to practice. And most, most importantly, they're able to mess up. They don't have to worry about doing something wrong because as you and I both know, there's a lot of fear involved in cyber Huge. defense. And people are afraid of making mistakes because the results could be detrimental, worse than a right. cyber attack itself if they do something wrong. And yes. so practicing in a simulated environment, using the same tools that they're using every day gives them the ability to practice the technical skills that they have and hone those skills, and even more importantly, to enhance their confidence because they may think they know what to do, but being able to practice it in a safe environment without taking the company down gives them that confidence to know that they, in fact, did know what they were doing or they can hone it even better. Uh, so when the real thing does happen, they're totally prepared. So if I were to go into one of these ranges, I, I wouldn't know where to even start. So do you have somebody that helps guide them along? Do you help to show them? Because it could be, I would think it would be intimidating initially to where to even look for, because if we've never had a cyber event at our organization, I wouldn't know what one is looking like when it starts. That was my job. Do you guys help guide them through this or you just be there to watch them? We do everything and in between. So okay. uh, some teams are much greener than others, and it doesn't matter where where teams start. Some don't even know how to spell cyber. Some are very advanced. And it's important that when a team is going through a simulation that we meet them where they are. So okay. if, they, if they have no idea what to look for, we may, be, we may have one of our attack masters who's on Zoom throughout the exercise, they may guide them a little bit more, help them along, because we certainly don't want them to waste time. We want them to get the most out of the simulation session, which is usually three to four hours. And so they might prompt them along a little bit. But what's most important is the fact that their people are learning. And so we get an idea of what they already know, what their experience and skills are, so we can make sure that they get the most out of that time. And the attack master is there to help them. Now, if you've ever done an escape room, um, yeah, I have. You walk in and you don't even know what you're looking for. You just True. stand there and you're like, I, I don't know what yeah. I'm supposed to do here. But then you start looking around and maybe some things look off. You might start to make some connections with things. And that's how it is in real life. The bad guys don't call 
a SOC analyst and say, hey, this is what you should be looking for. I'm about to do something bad. They don't know right. what they're looking for. And so the more exposure that they can have to different things, uh, the better off they're going to be. Yeah. And I guess from your standpoint, being a technologist, if you want to think of it that way, from your, your past history and the businesses that you've had and growing them and selling them and evolving, it would make sense to use technology to focus on and to help the with the people aspect of this. How can you leverage what's what's important and look at it differently? Growing up, my mom would say, Craig, work smarter, not harder. And I it, it makes sense. Try and find ways to, to leverage and do things in a smarter way versus just putting more hours at it. That's the human element that you physically, we can't throw enough hours. So how do you take that technology and do it in a better way? And it seems that's what you guys have created here. Yeah, because there's a, there's a ton of cybersecurity training out there. And a lot of it is theory-based. A lot of the certification prep that's out there. There's a lot of it and it's necessary. People need mm -hmm. to know how to do all that stuff. They need the knowledge. Uh, but at the end of the day, they need to have the experience and you simply cannot get experience in a practical and responsible and efficient way when you're doing it in a production environment. Are there certain key elements as individuals and organizations are look to, looking to build their teams. Are there certain things that you guys are seeing from an industry standpoint that make better, let's call them SOC analysts or better cybersecurity teams as they're trying to put together multiple people? When projects that we do, I would say the very most successful projects that we've done for organization have been the collaborative approach where you have IT and OT working together to come up with a result. What are you guys seeing across the industry from a trying to build an organization or build a team that really help make it that perfect mix? Is there or is there such a thing? Yeah, there, there absolutely is. So a lot of people think a career in cybersecurity means what they see on TV, that you, you're you a hacker, right? And <laughs> You got to wear a hoodie and you got to have black yeah. stuff behind you scrolling. So, right. That's what people think, or they think it's very technical. But in reality, there are 51 or 52 different roles in cybersecurity, and they use different parts of the brain. And so... Somebody could be very creative uh, and be really good at a role in cybersecurity, critical thinking skills, math skills. People can be brought in from a marketing role or a writing role and be really good. We have a product called RightTrack, and it's a cognitive aptitude assessment. It's, it's not a cybersecurity test. It's a cognitive test, so like brain exercises, mm -hmm. and the result tells somebody what area of cybersecurity they would be good at. And oh, nice. yeah, because not every role is the same. They don't all no. use the same skills or parts of the brain. And so people should be set up for success. So when building a team, it's important to make sure that somebody isn't just a generic cyber practitioner, but they're actually in the role that they're innately uh, conditioned to be good at and to be successful in. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of times when I talk to people and they're like, Craig, tell me what you do. And I'm like, we do industrial cybersecurity. The first thing they say is, do I need to know, do I have to code C plus or do I need to code Python? Or I'm like, no, you're not, that's not any, we don't do any of that stuff. Right. So I can see where a lot of the 
the talent is coming to us from all across the other areas. Mm -hmm. And as you take somebody that's not so entrenched in the space, they have a different perspective. And then we always say, we can train you on what we do if you're willing to learn and understand. I don't want somebody that's maybe not looking at this the right way. I want someone that can objectively say, okay, why do we do it that way? Or can we do it a different way? Or Mm -hmm. how about something else? And that's why creativity is so important in critical thinking skills. And those things get honed when people are working in teams. So back to your stereotype of the hoodie in the basement, those people aren't working in teams, they're working on their own, but real cybersecurity um, professionals work in teams. There's a lot of collaboration. Um, Mm -hmm. COVID was a really important element to prove that, how important that was, because when people went home, all of a sudden they're not talking to each other and uh, the result was not good. And so it was very important that we accelerated their ability to work together when they're not sitting in the same room together, because that's how uh, problems get solved more quickly more efficiently and more effectively. We saw COVID, you mentioned that, a lot of things changed. You look at the vulnerability that it brought to the industry, Mm -hmm. the remote access, all of a sudden, every organization wakes up and then the next day, their entire team is remote. How do you manage that? How do you manage the the vulnerabilities on getting a laptop to everybody? And what's the endpoint protection look like? And how do they securely log into a corporate environment? And what's how does that look? So COVID changed everything for all of us. Some of it for the better, some of it not so much for the better. And we're trying to navigate what the new norm is. And we have been for the last year or so. Where does it end? I don't know. Do I, do I think we'll ever go back? Mm, probably not. We'll settle somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But I think that overall, it it really did help us try and figure that piece of it out. How do we work better together while not together? Right. Right. And organizations that you and we deal with are that are global in nature. You may have someone from the OT team in. North America, and then somebody that runs the IT portion, that's their counterpart that would be part of this team, maybe in Asia Pacific or in LATAM or anywhere in the globe. They don't have to be in the same room right next to them. Yeah. And it also gives companies flexibility. We worked with a lot of companies that had distributed teams before the pandemic, but now that I would say most teams that we work with are distributed in some form or fashion, it gives people a lot more flexibility on hiring too. So when we're talking about the talent shortage and they're not limited to their local geography, there's a lot more options for hiring great talent. So as we've mentioned talent several different times, it's, I would say, probably one of the biggest topics from every conference we go to, how do organizations get the right talent in the right spots to help address this? Mm -hmm. Your product is critical to making sure that the talent that they do get gives them that training so they can effectively manage an incident in the event something does happen. It's like the insurance and nobody wants to have to use it, but when you do, it's got to be there. Mm -hmm. So... How do you help make sure that you're providing the resources that once they spend the money, they get them to make them ready to go? Well, 
First and foremost, security leaders have to acknowledge that they can't just stir the problem. Stirring the problem is just hiring somebody from another company and because that just perpetuates the problem. It's not creating that new talent and giving them the resources, having the cloud range, cyber range, for example, is a way for them to have a tool, not just to onboard and accelerate somebody's ability to perform in a job, but to ensure that on an ongoing basis, the individuals and the teams have that continued preparation. And when I say continued preparation, our customers are using our cyber range multiple times a month where every time they're going through a different attack scenario. The more that they practice, the better equipped they're going to be. And and they're able to report that up to their boards to show a measurable decrease in risk and exposure. Um, And it's one thing to say, yeah, we learned a lot in this exercise, but to be able to say this is how much faster a team was able to detect and respond to something, which it translates into saved dollars, that's really powerful. Yeah. So if if I'm hearing you, enough of the CIOs and the CISOs checking a box, it's time to actually perform the exercise and start doing things that make a measurable difference right. in the risk of the organization. Yeah. And they can see it. They don't have to know a whole lot about the attack flows and the threat vectors, uh, but they using some industry standard frameworks that we map against, they're able to see the results and to see them on an ongoing basis to know that the return on their investment in, in the cyber range is very good. Are you seeing more interest from a board level down or from an organizational bottom up? Where what where would you say if you're trying to gauge from the industry, where's the interest coming in? Is it the teams that are trying to be smarter and do the work? Is it the boards that are saying, hey, we've got all this stuff, but We've never used any of it together. Where are you seeing the interest come from? I think there's three areas. There's the users who may reach out because they know that there's a better way to, for them to perform their jobs, which is going to be less strategic than, say, a board member or an executive knowing that they need to be prepared. Because when a board member or a CEO reads about something in the news, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to ask the CIO or the CISO, are we prepared for this? And when they can respond and say, yeah, in fact, we just did a simulation on the exact same thing yesterday, we're good, they'll feel a lot more safe. And so a lot of our, I would say most of our customers have come from uh, the CIO and the CISO level because they need to feel safe. They don't have a way to know objectively that their team is prepared. They may hire people they ha- that have certification and X number of years of experience, but until something hits the fan, they don't right. know. And they want to go to bed at night feeling safe that their team can take care of business when it happens. And this is really the only way for them to be able to do that confidently. That makes sense. I know we've covered a lot of ground today. There's been, I'm sure there's a lot more we can talk about. If, as we look to wrap up, if there's one or two pieces of advice that organizations that are listening to today that are trying to start the journey or trying to begin the process, what would you say they should focus on? Where should they begin looking to take the next steps? What advice would you give them? Baby steps. You don't have to boil the ocean. It's very overwhelming because there's so many ways that a company can be compromised. And you just, every little thing that you do 
is going to help you and your team become better. And so we, we work with a lot of companies that want to boil the ocean. And then we say, let's just do a little bit, get your team acclimated, mm-hmm. get them prepared and show that progress over time. Otherwise, it can be overwhelming. And we have a, a lot of companies that'll uh, do a a single simulation, and then they'll realize, wow, this is pretty easy that from the leadership standpoint, because a lot of security leaders didn't sign up to manage people and manage oh. career paths. And the, but that's what they end up having to do because HR doesn't necessarily know how to train people. No. And so it's this it's the CISO's job in many cases or responsibility to ensure that their team has the preparation and training that they need. And so I guess the, the headline on this is they don't have to you know take on the burden themselves where there's resources like CloudRange to help them. That's smart. And we often will say, how are you measuring success period over period? Is that quarter over quarter, annually, depending on what your regulatory environment is? Internally, is it month over month? But you have to have a ability to measure that period over period. And that goes back to that same thing. You can't boil the ocean. And when people think cybersecurity, it means so much to so many people. You can't, it's hard to say. And right. that's, you're 100% spot on. Yeah. And, and uh, one of my favorite quotes is from W. Edwards Deming. And he said, without data, you're just a person with an opinion. So people can have opinions all day yeah. long about how prepared they are or that they're not, but we give them the data to prove that they are. Very good. I like that. Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. So thanks again and have a great day. All right. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for tuning in to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Podcast. To stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button now. And if you found this podcast helpful or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave us a review or let us know. If you're interested in learning more about Velta technology and how you can get safer sooner, visit veltatech.com. That's V-E-L-T-A tech.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.